You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, let's roll. Welcome to the Gary Harris Show. It's straight up 9 o'clock on this Tuesday, November 14, 2023. I'm your host, Gary Harris. i got uh, Noah Haynes right there on the other side of the glass. He's manning the controls, doing all the heavy lifting and taking your phone calls on the first and main condos hotline at 205-342-9904. We're with you the next couple of hours talking sports and more here on the Big Tide 100.9 FM. And glad you are with us also on 1230 AM WTBC. 1230 a.m., that legendary a.m. dial, WTBC, we're there as well. And, of course, that app, which is a way that uh, many people are listening to us around the country, really around the world. The Tide 109 app, just download it and put it on your wireless device and take us with you anywhere, uh, anytime. So we got you covered the next couple of hours. I'm going to break down the lineup here for you in just a second and uh, let you know the topics that we're going to be discussing right now. Though I need to tell you this hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, member-owned and not-for-profit. It really is just a better way of banking. Convenience and savings make life better. The AC Lifestyle account. Learn more now at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership. Then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. All right, coming up today, we'll be talking ball with the Rocket Man, Rudy Arman. 977 ESPN Radio out of Huntsville, where he co-hosts Talking Ball weekday mornings with Scott Tyson from 7 to 9. He also, of course, has a recruiting show. And uh, we'll be breaking down Alabama football and basketball with Judy Arman coming up at 9.30. Then at 10.30, Kayla Anderson out of Nashville as uh, part of the Kayla Will and, and uh, Ramon show there in Nashville will join us for the Titans report as Tennessee is just really struggling on offense. And... Uh, a team that right now looks destined for a losing record, but maybe they can turn it around. We'll get the latest with uh, Kayla on the Titans. That's coming up at 1030. As I said, your phone calls are welcome on the first and main condominiums hotline, 205-342-9904. Yesterday, and I know Wimp and Barry were talking about it again this morning, there's a lot of discussion about the, the playoff, college football playoff, the final year for four teams. And... Um, it's a unique year right now. We've got more undefeated teams uh, than we usually have this late in the season. And Alabama, of course, is one of those one-loss teams. Even though they're unbeaten in the SEC, they had the early season loss at home to Texas. And right now that's had them uh, stuck at eight in the CFP rankings. We'll have a new rankings come out tonight. And we'll see uh, what happens with Alabama. But yesterday, a lot of lively discussion. And uh, Jim called in and it had some really good um, analysis on the on the college football playoff, and I think made some great points. He made some great points as to how Alabama could be left out um, even if the tide runs the table, which would mean beating Chattanooga, Auburn, and Georgia, which I think will be ranked number one tonight in the CFP rankings, beating the Georgia Bulldogs, who are the two-time defending national champions, and at that point, uh, I think would have won 29 games in a row. Um, and Jim called in with uh, some good points as to why you know, Alabama might not even make the college football playoff under that scenario. Now, I will continue to, you know, stand on that mountain that I'm on saying there's no way that happens. There, you know, I just can't believe that if you do, if you have that resume, 
that Alabama will have if it wins its next three games and you beat Georgia, which right now, let's 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 be honest about something. Okay, let's 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 forget rankings and committees and and this or that and you know whether Ohio State deserves to be number one. And as I said, I'm not really an analytics guy. I'm not really a a I'm a numbers guy to some extent, but I'm more of a let's just keep it real. Georgia should be number one. Okay. There, to me, there's not a there's not an analytic or or a number or any type of formula that you can draw up to say to me that Georgia shouldn't be number one. <laughs> They've won back to back national championships. They're undefeated in what is generally recognized as the toughest conference in America, and I still think is the deepest conference. I heard Whip and Barry saying, "Well, outside of Alabama and Georgia, who do you have? Well, what about Missouri?" You know, what about Missouri? And as I've said before, this is nothing against Penn State, but the Big Ten teams get a lot of credit for going in and beating Penn State. And James Franklin, has he won a big game? If you ask coaches off the record, where would they rather go play? Would it be James Franklin and Penn State at Happy Valley or Brian Kelly and LSU in Death Valley? My feeling is most of them would say they'd rather play at Penn State and play uh, James Franklin's team. I still think the SEC top to bottom is the best league. So if Georgia, and I think they will be number one tonight, I I, I don't know what happened along the line um, where Georgia was not number one. And people say, well, you can't base it on last year, and I get that. But let's base it on this year. So if Georgia is number one, and I think they will be tonight, but by that point, if they're number one in the college football playoff rankings and Alabama wins at Jordan-Hare and Alabama is 11-1 and one, and goes into Atlanta in Georgia's back door and beats a team that hasn't lost in two years since Alabama beat them last time in the SEC championship game. And Alabama is 12-1 and one SEC champions with the best win in college football. And there's nothing else even close. If you beat Georgia at this point, that's the best win in college football. And there's nothing else even close. Again, you're just not going to tell me that Alabama's not going to be in the Final Four. That's my opinion. As I told Jim yesterday, if I'm wrong, then that if this plays out this way and Alabama beats Georgia and is 12-1 and one, and that Sunday they're not in the Final Four, then when I'm coming here on Monday, I'm going to say, hey, you know what? I was wrong. I overestimated common sense. And I keep hearing Barry say, well, you can't jump Florida State if they're unbeaten. Why can't you? Why can't you? If Alabama's body of work is better, even with the loss to Texas, then Florida State's, and I continued, I don't care what anybody says. Barry can say all he wants about, well, the ACC beat them. The ACC's not even close to the same league as the SEC. Their coaches will tell you that. Going to Durham and going to Winston-Salem and playing at Georgia Tech in Atlanta, I'm not saying those aren't capable teams. That's not what, that's not what I'm saying. But it isn't the same gauntlet as you face in the SEC every week. And that's the difference in the SEC. I've said in the past, don't make the mistake of thinking they don't play good football elsewhere. I've never done that. I understand they play good football in the Pac-12 and the Big 12, the Big 10, the ACC, Conference USA even, the American Conference. But the week-to-week gauntlet that you face in the SEC is unlike what you face in other leagues. 
And Georgia right now, you know, is is trying to do something that hasn't been done since the 30s. Alabama has not even been able to do it, and they've had several opportunities, including one under Saban and twice under Coach Bryant. And that's to win three national championships in a row. So if Alabama is able, as I said, it plays out that way, and Alabama is 11-1 and and beats Georgia, I believe they're going to be in the playoff. I believe that with 100%. And, and people can say, well, you're looking through crimson colored glasses. No, I'm really not. I'm looking through, as I said yesterday, a prism of, of that just the way I think it's going to be. If that body of work is on a piece of paper, 12-1, and 9-0 in the SEC, beat the Georgia Bulldogs to hand them their first loss since Alabama beat them two years ago in the SEC championship game, I do think they'll jump somebody. Now, there's so much football left to be played, as we are all pointing out as well. And if Alabama doesn't win the next three games, then it really doesn't matter. And if Alabama loses to Georgia in the SEC championship game, it really doesn't matter. If Alabama loses at Jordan-Hare Stadium, it really doesn't matter. So, you know, that's just the reality of it. You have to take care of your own business first. And listen, a lot could happen. I mean, Texas has been hanging on by a thread. I mean, they, they, they hung on to beat TCU. They could have lost to Kansas State. They've had a lot of close games. I think Washington, based on, if you just like to use the term overrated, I think Washington is overrated. I understand they beat Oregon. I give them credit for that. I think Oregon's a better football team than Washington. But Washington has struggled against some really poor teams. So they could still lose. You know, a lot of teams could still lose. Alabama could still lose. You know, and I think there are some people that are saying, well, if it's just about your complete body of work, why couldn't you make a case for Georgia even if they lose to Alabama? And you could. You could still make a case for Georgia. But a lot would have to happen. You know, I I just don't think... You know, you should say, don't be a hypocrite. You're saying head-to-head doesn't matter if you're saying Alabama should go over Texas. Head-to-head does matter, and that's why Texas is ahead of Alabama. But what happens in the second week of the season is different than what happens in the 13th week. And where teams are at right now is different from where they were then. And I know it's a much bigger field, but this argument that, well, you can't put them over an underbeaten team. Listen, the NCAA tournament, teams get seeded ahead of teams all the time with better records. And we've seen undefeated teams not go to the playoff before. Yeah, maybe they weren't in power five, but they were undefeated. There's precedent for everything. So, uh, you know, again, if you're asking me at the end of the year, if Alabama's 12-1 and and Florida State's unbeaten, would I put Alabama ahead of Florida State? My answer is yes, I would. I would. Now, next year, we don't have to worry about it. We've got 12 teams. I wish we had eight, like eight better than 12. I wish we had eight this year. Then we'd have a heck of an 18 playoff this year. But it's out there. It's being talked about. Uh, I can't imagine, as I said, the world that I live in, not including a 12-1 Alabama, or if that were to be the case. You're going to tell me the conference that's dominated, dominated the college football playoff since it came into existence in 2014 has dominated it. 
we'll have a Final Four team playoff and not include an SEC team? Because that's kind of what you're saying if you're saying if Alabama beats Georgia, they don't go. Because you're not going to put Georgia there, as I said. So you're saying we're going to have the Final Four team playoff and it won't include an SEC team? I just can't buy that. 9-13, we're going to get to the break. Hey, Tom, hold on. We'll get to you when we come back on the other side. You're also welcome to join in the conversation. Um, Monday Night Football last night, the Buffalo Bills, who seem to be on prime time every time I turn it on, they, they seem to play only play on Monday night, Sunday night, or Thursday night. I've about had enough of them. I mean, I've had my fill of the Buffalo Bills. But first of all, they're not a very good team this year. They lose again at home to the Broncos, 24-22 on another walk-off field goal. That was that was sixth walk-off field goal in the NFL this weekend. Six games were decided on the final play by field goal. Unbelievable. But I'm, I'm just, I've had it with the Buffalo Bills. I mean, I, I get that, that Josh Allen's a nice player, quarterback, and they've had some pretty good success, but they haven't been to the Super Bowl since they went to those four back under Marv Levy. And yet we get, we seem like we get them every week in prime time. Give me a break. Can we watch somebody else in a prime time game? But they, uh, they play last night, and they lose again to a Broncos team that is suddenly 4-5. and five. Remember, they gave up 70 to the Dolphins. And we thought, boy, this team is cooked. They've come back and bounced back nicely. Sean Payton's a good coach. All right, we'll be back with some phone calls here on the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. This season of Alabama football brought to you by Pearl River Resort, Choctaw, Mississippi. Your destination for casino thrills, family fun, and live entertainment. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by Everwood, the official treated lumber of Alabama athletics. Everwood, wood treated right. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. On Monday, Alabama head coach Nick Saban held his weekly press conference as Alabama prepares for Chattanooga. All right, obviously, you know, this was a, you know, great win for us, really good for our team uh, to um, come out, start fast in the game, play fast, um, obviously ready to play. Um, so I think the big point of emphasis that, um, you know, like we'd like to make moving forward is We've still got to stay focused on execution. It's not just about making plays. And most of the issues that we have in games, um, offense, defense, doesn't really matter, come down to are we communicating and is everybody on the same page? And um, when we do that, we seem to have really good results. And sometimes when we don't, uh, we give up plays that we probably shouldn't you know, give up. I'll have more in a moment. Producing championship-quality lumber is not an easy process, but at Everwood Preserving, it's our only process. Wood treated right. Everwood offers top-notch pressure-treated wood for decks, outdoor structures, commercial jobs, and more that you can build your reputation on. When it comes to quality, we're on the winning team. Visit your local Everwood dealer today and discover the difference for yourself. Everwood Preserving Incorporated, the official lumber of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Join us tonight for Crimson Tide men's basketball against South Alabama. Our radio coverage will start at 6 p.m. across the network with tip-off scheduled for 7. 
Crimson Tide Today is brought to you by Everwood. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. Join Tide 100.9 this Friday from... ...is a way for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens, but no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Roscoe's has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And of course, you can find Los Roscoe's in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Roscoe's features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Roscoe's with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Cloudy today, the best chance of rain will stay south of here, the high 67. Cloudy tonight, a chance of rain mainly after midnight, the low at 50. Tomorrow, cloudy and cooler, periods of rain throughout the day, the high in the upper 50s at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 61 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. 919, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show here on Tide 100.9 FM. Gary Harris, Noah Haynes. We're going to jump out on the first of main condos hotline and Welcome in one of our favorites, uh, Tom. Great uh, listener to the programs here and always uh, some thoughtful insight. What's going on, Tom? Hey, good morning, Gary. How are you? Doing well. Um, I've enjoyed the uh, discussion between you and Barry and Philip and Digger and uh, all this on the playoffs. I, I think it's been really good, very healthy. Well, it's cer- Jim, yeah, it's certainly been Jim. opposing viewpoints. I mean, Barry and I yeah, couldn't yeah, be yeah, Barry yeah. and I really, couldn't be farther really. apart in the way we view it. He he and I view it completely differently. Well, you know, my my thing about it is I'm not sure how I come down. I'm still trying to make up my mind because I can't figure the committee out. Right, I, I, really I can't think either. I, I don't know what they're looking for, but uh, on and on our in our way of thinking and the way we do around here, the, the radio uh, content has been outstanding from Jim and Digger and Phillip and Barry and uh, and Coach and, and all. So my hat's off to y'all for a very good uh, conversation uh, uh, and, and well-handled opposing uh, views. And it's made really good radio, I, I, I'll tell you that. And, Thanks. Uh, and I've enjoyed it, and uh, and I and it's not boring. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, of course, you know we give Barry a hard time. We always telling him that you know he's against Alabama, but that's all in fun. And uh, but uh, anyway, I wanted to uh, bring something up that I wanted you to talk to Drew about, if you don't mind. Okay. Uh, Friday night, I went to the game, and uh, I enjoyed it, and uh, we scored and all that kind of stuff. But I had a concern. You know, Dunaway filled in for Chris on the radio broadcast, and uh, and I didn't hear him. But uh, 
I, I, I talked to him via text after uh, the game, and uh, and we were talking about you know expectations of this team, and I said, you know, the one thing that concerns me about this team is not their ability to score. Lord knows they have shown an ability to score, but uh, the the, the uh, presence in the paint uh, in the center. Uh, what we would call traditionally a center. I said, I'm really concerned about that. Then this morning, uh, Barry asked Coach uh, what his assessment of the team was, and he said his concern was their ability to rebound, which I guess that's what I was saying to Dunaway. And uh, Dunaway's take was that Pringle is really going to have to step up and make a presence in the, in the middle, which that may be true. I don't know. But uh, I am concerned about uh, the presence that we have for rebounding and uh, other reasons that you have a post-type player in there. And I wanted to hear you and Drew talk about that. Yeah, I'll ask you because, I mean, Coach Oates said yesterday that they got to have more rim protection and that Pringle has not even had, I think, had a block shot through two games. And, uh, you know, they'll be maybe looking at Wagee for some of that. I, I think that uh, you're on to something there. Uh, clearly right now, I think I think Oates is is pressing this team hard because when you score 105 and you score 102 in your first two games uh, against pretty decent competition with Moorhead Indiana State, so you got 207 points. I think that um, obviously the offense is there, so I think he's looking to find flaws because he wants to push this team. And again, you don't want a team getting too comfortable too early. So I think he's he's pushing them on the defensive end. I think he's pushing them in rebounding. I think he's pushing well, them on, on rim protection, that's... defensive rim protection, and, and uh, making it tougher on the other team to score. Well, I, I think that, that that's true. That's all true right there. I agree with you. And I think that's what he's doing. But you know and I know there's going to come a time, in, even in conference play, that you're going to have to have defense. That's all there is to it. And uh, if we're going out there going, oh, well, it don't matter. We'll outscore them no matter what. And uh, and I, I agree with you. You know, he doesn't want them thinking that. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so, but anyway, the, the, the part, of the, the equation of the defense for me is uh, – Pringle and uh, what what was the West Virginia kid's name? I can't think of it. Inawagi. Yeah, him. Uh, you know, we're we're going to have to have some uh, some performance out of those two in the middle for this team to be where I think they need to be. Yeah, I'm with you. I I, I agree with you 100. percent I think that again, Oates is, is is pushing that message as well. So I'll ask Drew about that, and uh, we'll well. we'll cover. I, I'm just I'm wondering now the two of you. Do you think that we have the potential to get there? Well, I'll ask him. I think I think they they do. I uh, this is a this is a pretty deep roster. Again, considering how much they lost, to be able to reconstruct the roster this quickly and be this athletic and be this um, you know this good on the offensive end is fairly amazing to me. Uh, so, but I do think defensively, I agree with Coach Oates. I think that they've they've not been where they need to be, and I do think rim protection's been an issue. And I think also, um, from what I can see, 
from Oates, he's really he's really on Pringle a lot because he expects more out of him. I think I think he feels like Pringle has you know more to give, and he's not pleased with how he's played so far. And he's just pretty much came out and, and said that. I'm with him. I'm with him. And I tell you something else too. I was watching Mark Sears. You know, I'm a body language guy, and uh, Mark Sears was like, "Okay, y'all go ahead, keep throwing that up there." And I'm telling you right now, you're going to lock down play defense because. Mark Sears, he kept he was playing like a pit bull. I'm here to tell you now, right now, he is tough as nails, and he was like a pit bull on defense, and uh, he was going to the rim on offense. He wasn't he wasn't relying on his. I mean, he hit some threes, but mm-hmm. he wasn't relying on that. He he was getting in there and mixing up. I think he was trying to show Nelson and all them, hey, you got we got to get in here and get with it now. And I, the look on his face is where I got that from, and I, I'm pretty sure I'm accurate. Good stuff, Tom. We'll uh, discuss it with Drew. Thank you. Thank you, man. 926 here on the Gary Harris Show, and uh, we got Drew coming up in the next segment, by the way. So we'll get to, we'll get to that in just a, just a moment. But basketball-wise, tonight South Alabama comes in. Uh, last year, Alabama played down there in Mobile, so this is uh, this is the return trip and. Um, you know, South Alabama is a team that has, um, you know, they have some talent. And um, I don't know, you know, when you look at their their team, uh, you know, they won at Buffalo, which is Nate Oates' old school. And they lost. They lost to... Uh, Mobile, which is is, I can't figure that one out. They lost to Mobile and won at Buffalo, so they're a capable team. But that loss to Mobile is just uh, mind boggling to me. And they were down, I think, twenty at the half, and um, they wound up losing by nine, eighty three seventy four. So that's tonight at seven o'clock, and uh, we will um, we will be discussing that more with Drew coming up. All right, this is the Gary Harris Show on Tide one hundred point nine FM, twelve thirty AM WTBC. We'll be right back with Drew Armand. Stay with us. As much as Innisfree has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at... Never... Miss a moment of the action. Download the free Tide 100.9 app today. It's time for the Rocky Man, Rudy Arman, 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville. Joins us every Tuesday to talk some ball right here on the Gary Harris Show. Of course, he's the co-host of Talking Ball uh, every weekday morning from 7 to 9 with Scott Tyson on 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville. How are you doing, Drew? Good, Gary. How are you, man? Doing well, man. And uh, Alabama wraps up the SEC West with a convincing 49-21 win over the Kentucky Wildcats this past Saturday at Kroger Field in Lexington. Uh, what were your takeaways? Well, I just thought it was a mature approach by the squad. I mean, I had a feeling they were going to play pretty well. I picked 37-17. There was a lot of people that were worried about a trap game, but I just felt like it was a good matchup for Alabama, and if they didn't turn it over and if they 
you know, played their game. I knew Kentucky's a physical team, uh, but they're not a really explosive offense. And uh, I thought, you know, Cleary had played better the last two weeks, but I still thought he would face a chore with Alabama's defense. He did. And I felt like if Alabama won the plus minus, which they did, uh, I believe they uh, won it two to one. If they could, uh, and then they even really set up a, a touchdown on the doorstep with that fumble recovery. But if they could, uh, you know, get out to a lead, which it was 21 to nothing by the end of the first quarter. I mean, it was basically over. I just felt like that this was a, a, a game Alabama would win. Uh, I, Kentucky is, got, is, is talented, but I just felt like in some certain areas, especially uh, their wide receiver core has been talented but enigmatic. Uh, they have, and they, and I just felt like if Alabama came out, established the ground game, and uh, you know if Milrow continued to to play the game the way he played the previous two weeks, I just felt like this was an Alabama team that was getting better. And I thought, I really just thought they continued to build and stack. But I thought the thing that they really did that I think will help them down the road, and it's it's still the evolution of Jalen Milrow. Is Jalen Milrow? Also, you saw now that he can play hurt. There's a, there's a difference between playing hurt and injured. He was hurt. Uh, he took a you know a, a helmet to the thigh and definitely was shaken up. But I thought he showed a lot of toughness and staying in there for uh, basically a little over three quarters. Uh, came out for one play, but uh, continued to direct the offense. Uh, they didn't run him as much probably because of that injury. But that's that's not necessarily a bad thing because I think you need to keep him healthy. But he had eight rushes, 36 yards, three touchdowns. And his willingness to run now, if what, you, what you've really seen this Alabama offense do over the last month, is their, the, the red zone offense is so much better now because of his ability to run in the red zone. They're also throwing the ball better. It's opening up the passing game. They're really becoming a fun team to watch with the way he's developed. And certainly you got to give Nick Saban credit for that. you got to give Tommy Rees credit for it. And I just thought... You know, it wasn't a perfect performance by any stretch because Alabama muffed the punt. Uh, they roughed the passer and allowed uh, Kentucky to score, and then they put their backups in and gave up an explosive run. But they got a chance to play a lot of guys. Uh, they, they took care of business on the road in a very impressive fashion. And I think the biggest thing is they continued to get better, and that's what it's going to take because they certainly are going to win this weekend. And I know Nick Saban will say that's rat poison, but they're going to beat Chattanooga. But then they got, you know, a very tricky game with Auburn. And, I, and it'll be, in my opinion, an Auburn team that's 7-4 and four by that time with a four-game winning streak. And then you go to play Georgia, who right now has the best program in the country. So Alabama still has everything out in front of it. The biggest thing they need to do this week is come out healthy. Uh, they'll probably hold some guys out and get them healthy for Auburn, and they can afford to do that. But I thought, you know, they also – defensively without a lot of key guys you know you didn't have uh you know uh certainly your middle linebacker and Deontay Lawson you didn't have Dylan Key uh in the game uh you know and I also you didn't have Ja'Cory Brooks and then it turns out you didn't have Jermaine Burton and I thought on the road against Kentucky a lot of guys stepped up and I thought you know that's what you got to have the Alabama didn't have that in 2021 they didn't have all hands on deck guys being ready I thought the whole team showed a mature approach against Kentucky, and I think that bodes well for road trips to Auburn and then when you're playing the best team in the country in Georgia in a few weeks. Drew DeArmond with us. Uh, Drew, a big topic uh, on my show yesterday was the college football playoff because obviously you've got to get 
you know, you got to get to Atlanta and beat Georgia to have any shot. And you got to win down at Jordan Hare, as you alluded to. But Alabama fans have their eye on it now because they see that the tide is eighth. And, um, a lot of people feel like Alabama needs help. Um, where do you come down on the on the argument that and, and and I'm with you on Georgia. I don't know how Georgia wasn't number one in the the college football playoff rankings from the get go. It blows my mind. You put Ohio State ahead of them. But where do you come down on the argument that if Alabama were to go 12 and one and and beat Chattanooga and beat Auburn and beat a Georgia team that more than likely at that point would be number one and be on a 29 game winning streak, their first loss since Alabama beat them two years ago and have that resume and not make it into the college football playoff. I can't. In the world I live in, that doesn't exist. But there are a lot of people that are saying it could happen. And I know I'm projecting, but I just want to get your your thoughts on that. If, if that scenario played out, that Alabama was 12-1, and 9-0 in the SEC, beat top-ranked Georgia, uh, because I do think they'll be top-ranked at that point if they continue to win, and not make it into the playoff. I just, I just can't, I can't fathom that, Drew. I mean, the people that think that Alabama wouldn't be in the playoff at 12-1 and one, the SEC champion voted for Joe Biden. So I need to tell you, that's the way I look at it. They're dumbasses, uh, quite frankly. I, I don't see how you leave out Alabama if they're 12-1 and one and they beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. And by the way, the, the people that are saying this, you already know at the very least that either Oregon or Washington is losing, and they're ahead of you. And you already know either Michigan or Ohio State's losing. They're ahead of you, too. And I guess I still think that would put Alabama in. But I know people are – there's anxiety. Well, they might need Texas to lose as well or Florida State. Look, man, everybody – I've heard this for years. Well, there's going to be four or five undefeated teams. There never is, okay, especially when you go down the stretch of these seasons and you're playing conference championship games and your caliber of opponent goes up. I mean, Texas has barely escaped the last two weeks. Now, they escaped. Credit them. But, again, I just think overall, when the dust settles, and that's what I was talking about on my ex account this weekend, uh, you know, because I had someone tell me, well, that's, you know, that what, what you said is not uh, factually true because you're talking about no matter what Alabama would be in at 12-1. and 1. And as I clarified, I said, look, I don't think there are going to be four or five undefeated teams. And if Alabama's 12-1, and 1, undefeated in the SEC, and I understand the SEC is a little down this year, but if they're 12-1 and one in the SEC champ and they beat Georgia, they are not being left out of the college football playoff or the college football playoff just needs to cease to exist. And, and again, it's going to be expanded next year, but I just don't see it. Now, do I see two SEC teams getting in? It's very unlikely. I don't see two Pac-12 teams getting in. I don't see Michigan and Ohio State getting in. Uh, so, it's going to be very interesting to see who can navigate and get to the end. But if Alabama beats Georgia uh, and is twelve and one, I just I see the tide as one of the four. I, I can't fathom them not being. One thing we love about Drew is he never uh, he never sugarcoats it. That is that is for sure. Um, let's uh, talk about Jalen Milrow's development, uh, Drew, and and. You know, we saw him early. We knew he had a athletic buddy. I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I'm, people will listen to my show. I always felt like he was the best option for this particular team. I know everybody didn't, but to to make the amount of improvement that he's made during the course of the season, uh, what do you, you know, just there are a lot of people that said he couldn't do it, and he, and you know, and again, every week's a different test. I get that, but but just your um, your opinion of Jalen Milrow and the way that he's 
you know, kind of rounded into this position and, and, and taken over this team? Well, I mean, I didn't pick him to win the job coming out of spring and in the fall. I, I was I was on the Ty Simpson train, but he certainly proved, you know, in the first month that he was the best guy for the job. No question about it. And I've made that statement on more than one occasion that he was going to be the quarterback throughout this entire season. Um, I think everything kind of started turning the corner uh, in that Tennessee game when he in that second half when he became a willing runner. Uh, when he runs the football, this offense is just extremely fun to watch and extremely dynamic because he is a dangerous, dangerous athlete. Uh, he is one of the two to three fastest guys on the team. Uh, he's the most explosive offensive weapon they have. No disrespect to Isaiah Bond. He's had a, a really solid year, but I mean, think about it. In the last, you know, two games, Milrow, what he's done on the ground running the football. Uh, I believe five rushing touchdowns, or excuse me, seven rushing touchdowns, pardon me, seven rushing touchdowns. And what he's done throwing the football, uh, where in his efficiency and, and, and being able to throw, and he already could throw the ball vertically. I just think it's, it's been amazing to watch his growth. I mean, he's become a dynamic weapon. Uh, he is getting better at processing and getting rid of the football and understanding to climb the pocket and to help out his offensive line. And I think the offensive line's gotten better. I think you put the swamp monster in, Jaden Roberts. I mean, at right guard, he stabilized things. I think Caden Proctor is a true freshman. has gotten better every week. Uh, you know, and Tommy Reese. I mean, I know people were rough on Coach Reese when he first got here, but he's still getting used to the personnel as well. And he and he's gotten better and more comfortable with things. So has, uh, you know, uh, Jalen Milrow and, his development has been the key for this team because, again, uh, I, I know the biggest question on this team really has been the offense since early in the season. But I'll just tell you this, with the way they've improved and the, the arc this team is on, Gary, it, I, I tell, I'll tell you what, if they play Texas this week, I think Alabama would be a 10-point favorite. And I think they've improved that much. I, I don't know that Texas is getting better. For one, they haven't had Quinn Ewers. Uh, and I haven't been, and now they've lost their leading rusher. And so that's that this and bust and candy nuts. Alabama's been there. But I just think uh, it's been remarkable to watch the team blossom. And I think they're playing with a lot of confidence. And again, I, I would hope that you only have to play Milrow about two quarters this week, get him out, prepare him for the next two weeks because you've got a, a an improving Auburn team. And then you've got, uh, you know, injured in Hare Stadium, which is always very difficult. And then you've got uh, Georgia, which is going to be uh, the Super Bowl. So, I, I but I give Alabama a good, you know, a great shot against Georgia as well, just simply because I think they're going to be the best team Georgia has played. Georgia destroyed Ole Miss. Credit. I mean, they, they. I wasn't surprised by that. I think they're going to go into Neyland Stadium and burn it to the ground. Uh, and so, I just think that overall, it, it's just been neat though, because I think once it's all said and done. Uh, I don't think they're both going to get in to the four-team playoff, but I think you're going to be able to make a really strong argument that Georgia and Alabama, I know America hates it, but that they're two of the four best teams. But this year, there's probably going to be enough teams that are in that one-loss argument where the loser of the game, of course, with Alabama, they got two losses, they're out. But even if with Georgia, even though the back end of Georgia's schedule has been much more difficult because the teams have good years, I still don't think you're going to be able to make that argument, but I just still think watching Milrow improve, I mean, because I'll be honest, a lot of people, and I wasn't even sure myself, 
with that schedule coming up when they played Ole Miss at home and then they had to go on the road to Mississippi State, go on the road to A&M. Nobody was sure how this team would respond and if they would be in the position they're in. But now they've got a chance to run the table in the regular season in the SEC, get to the SEC championship game, and, and play in a de facto playoff game then. So I just think Milrose's improvement has been really the story of the Southeastern Conference. And if it wasn't for Jaden Daniels being a freakazoid and being and Brock Bowers getting hurt, probably the biggest story of the of the SEC season would be the improvement from game one to now at Jalen Miller. Judy Arman with us from Talking Ball, 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville. Hey, I haven't talked a ton about this because, you know, in this part of the country, I've got plenty of other topics. But I want to get your just your opinion on what's happening with Michigan and, and, and Jim Harbaugh. And um, I mean, is it is it being overblown? Uh, do you agree with the Big Ten commissioner for suspending him from coaching the rest of the regular season? Uh, where do you come down on all this? Look, I just think he Jim Harbaugh pissed in the cornflakes with somebody that really doesn't like him. And now they've, they've, they've just started releasing all this information. He made somebody angry. Look, all this sign stealing stuff. And yeah, was it Bush League to send a coach to, you know, on a Central Michigan sideline or whatever? And then he's paying for tickets to go to games. Yeah, but I still think it's really overblown, honestly, because I'm going to ask a question. Has Jim Harbaugh ever won a playoff game? No. No, he lost to Wofford. So, basically, uh, TCU. They, they choked in that game. He's never won a playoff game. He started beating Ohio State, okay? Now, I understand a lot of the Big Ten schools are up in arms about this. They're irritated. But I just think it's a, it, it's a bunch of do about nothing. I mean, Harbaugh's always beat, you know, to his own drum. People have tried to do this for years in different leagues and stuff like that. I think it's, you know, is Jim Harbaugh – you know, tough to deal with. Yeah. Is he a good football coach? Really good. Yeah. I don't think he's great though. I still don't think this Michigan team is going to win the national championship. I'm sorry. Until they show me they can win a playoff game. That's when I'll believe it. They've never won one. Uh, I'm not sure really how good that I look, Gary, I've watched some of these big 10 big games. They put me to sleep. I just don't think these offenses are good enough. And I think it's an offensive game. I love defense. I know you love defense. But you got to be able to score, man. Look at Kirby. I mean, Kirby's a defensive guy, but he understands that Georgia's got to score points. He's brought Mike Bobo in. Uh, he let Monken open up their offense. They're still scoring a ton of points. You got to be able to score, man. And I just don't. I don't buy the fact that. Oh, you know. And I realized in 2011, and I was up in arms, and I was right at that point in time when people said it wasn't quality football to beat. You know, when LSU wins the game, you know. Uh, on a walk-off six-to-three field goal. Look, man, I understand that, but that but football was different ten years ago. There was more wide ball. It was more de- a defensive-oriented game. It's not anymore. It's an offensive game, and uh, and Ohio State, quite frankly, is better offensively than Michigan. But I just think their quarterback is not he's not C.J. Stroud. So, and I just don't see. I think Michigan will beat Ohio State again. But I'm just not sure that Michigan is explosive enough offensively to beat an SEC-level school, a Pac-12-level school, some of those. like I really like what I've seen out of that Oregon team. So I just think the whole Michigan thing is overblown. Uh, I thought the suspension was stupid. I thought maybe they should have sanctioned him after the year. Uh, but I just thought it was a bunch of 
basically the reason they did it is because of all the whining within their own conference is the way I took it. Drew, let's get to Hoops. Uh, Bama, 207 points in the first two games, um, 105 and 102. They get uh, South Alabama tonight, a team that lost to Mobile, but beat uh, Buffalo at Buffalo. Kind of a strange start to the season. But um, what have you seen from Alabama so far? Coach Oates is pushing this team hard because I think he understands they've got to get better, but they can score. But uh, he's not been pleased with the defense. What have you seen from them? Well, I mean, I, wa- I watched the first game. Didn't get a chance to watch the second game, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, because had a previous commitment in high school football, right. but I did follow it. Uh, obviously, they've been able to score the ball well. Uh, Aaron Estrada uh, really kind of carried the mail uh, for the first half, and then Grant Nelson finished off uh, a solid Indiana State team in the second half. Two, two straight games for Grant Nelson getting the hard hat. Uh, they obviously offensively they've done well. They've been able to share the ball. They've been free flowing. Uh, they've uh, they, you know it's the first time uh, in many a year that they've scored a hundred points in back to back games to start the season. The defense and the rebounding is a little bit of a concern. The rim protection we've heard Nate Oates talk about that. I think he sent a, a message to Nick Pringle this week that he wants Nick Pringle to get better. I think we're going to see Muhammad McGee get more minutes. Uh, that's going to be the key to the drill because Alabama's got some tough games coming up, especially in December. Uh, that Arizona team they're playing out in Phoenix has already won at Duke. Uh, so you know how good Tommy Lloyd's team is. So I think overall, though, it's a, it's a promising beginning. They just have to start doing the gritty things a little bit better. But I also think it's a new team. So they're all still getting comfortable in their own uh, roles. Uh, and I think they still have a chance to improve quite a bit. Uh, and again, these guys have to learn how to defend and how they want them to guard. The leadership of guys like Mark Sears is going to be critical. Uh, having him back on the floor these first two games has been big. Grant Nelson has looked like the real deal, like a first-team All-SEC type guy. So is Aaron Estrada. Uh, so the key is to the drill is going to be getting guys comfortable in their roles, getting your rotations down, and then guys just getting down and dirty and, and uh, playing with a better effort on the defensive end of the floor. But the good thing is the way the schedule's set up, they, they should have some success tonight against South Alabama. They've got Mercer uh, coming up on Friday. And the next week is when they'll face somebody like Ohio State. So uh, they've got a couple more games to keep working out the kinks. But a very promising beginning, a fun team to watch. And I still think, uh, you know, uh, they're kind of they're kind of a, like a piece of clay. They're being molded by NATO and this new staff. And I'm going to be interested to see uh, how he how he cuts down the rotations coming up, and it's how much better this team can get defensively. Because I still think it's a squad that's going to be able to score in the 80s routinely. So you're going to have to get a little bit better on the backboards and, and defensively. But certainly that's going to be possible. But I've uh, been impressed with what I've seen so far, especially with the way the team's playing on the offensive end of the court. Yeah, Tom had called earlier and wanted you to address the rim protection situation, which you already did, and Coach has too. It's something that they've got to get better on. And you're right, I think he did put – he called out Pringle a little bit. What about Wagi as he continues to develop? Is he a guy that uh, could help him in that area? Oh, no question. I mean, I when I watched practice before the season started – I love the way he communicates. I love the way how he plays, and he's very comfortable in his own skin and what he has to, in the way he has to play. He knows what his role is, and the key with him, you have to remember, Gary, he didn't practice a lot. He was hurt when he got here, and so he's just now getting into the flow. And if Nick Pringle doesn't, you know, get better at defending and, and being physical and guarding, 
he'll once again be coming off the bench because we will have a chance to take his job. So that dynamic and how much point in time we gets tonight and this week is going to tell you a lot about what's going on in practice. This is going to be a very intriguing to follow. And then Grant Nelson. Grant Nelson has been playing hard defensively. That's one of the things I, everybody knew he could score, and he was versatile as an offensive player. But what I've been really impressed with is his rim protection and his mobility on defense. Great stuff as always, Drew. Appreciate you, and I uh, know there's a lot more where this comes comes from. You're always uh, you're always working. It seems like and got a lot of different ways that people can follow you. Yeah, they do, and I'm a, I've got a unique opportunity coming up with Huntsville High basketball. Gary, uh, we're flying out to, to this evening, and we're uh, Huntsville High. Uh, my alma mater is going to be playing the number one team in the country Wednesday evening. We're we're, we're traveling to Montbird Academy. Oh wow! Uh, to take on uh, to be number one team in America with Kevin Boyle and. As everyone knows, you know, they got Cooper Flagg, they've got Asa Newell, uh, you know, they got Derek Queen. I mean, as I've said, Huntsville High is a very, very good team. We're off to a three and star. We've got we've got a really special roster. We've got six really, really good players, but they've got six five star players. <laughs> so, I mean, this is a this is a team that's got two other four stars. It's uh it's loaded a roster as you're gonna find. It's gonna be a great opportunity for Huntsville basketball in our city and our in our county and our school. And so we're being flown out there. We're going to fly out, play them on Wednesday evening at 6.30 Central. So we're excited about that. Uh, and we're excited about, uh, you know, being on your show each Tuesday and uh, for NATO. And uh, we'll certainly be carrying Alabama basketball tonight and on Friday. And we look forward uh, to Alabama football being there in Tuscaloosa on Saturday for the senior day against Chattanooga. A lot of great seniors uh, being celebrated. But uh, they can follow me on Twitter at DrewD977 ESPN, also at 977 ESPN on our station. All our contents on our SoundCloud page and on 977ESPN.com. And uh, we also have our daily recruiting blitz segments Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on our morning blitz show. So we just appreciate the opportunity to talk some ball with you each Tuesday. And uh, we uh, look forward to being on next week. Thank you, Drew. Thank you, Gary. Super. Have a safe trip. All right, we'll be back to wrap up this first hour right after this. Coming up up. on The Game with Ryan Fowler. Coming up on the Tuesday edition of The Game, we'll feature Mike Dettelier. We'll do a Dreamland School Prediction Day. We're going to get you ready for the weekend as we move toward Chattanooga. Right here on The Game, starting at 2 o'clock on Tide 100.9-1230 WTBC. Your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. The longest-running sports program in Tuscaloosa. The Game with Ryan Fowler. Weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Cloudy today, the best chance of rain will stay south of here, the high 67. Cloudy tonight, a chance of rain mainly after midnight, the low at 50. Tomorrow, cloudy and cooler, periods of rain throughout the day, the high in the upper 50s at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 61 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Alabama Sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Hour number one, it's been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, member owned and not for profit. It's just a better way of banking. Find out more at alabamacu.com. All right, coming up in hour number two, Kayla Anderson at 1030 with the Titans Report. Plus, we'll get some Nick Saban audio in from his Monday press conference and your phone calls. All that coming up in the second hour of the Gary Harris Show right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. 
Patterson Co. 2011, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. When you WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Monsi Bolaños. The Denver Broncos have won three in a row after beating the Bills in Buffalo with a 36-yard field goal on Monday night to come out on top 24-22. to Bills quarterback Josh Allen completed 15, 15 of 26 passes for 177 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Allen leads the NFL in touchdowns with 19, and he leads the NFL in interceptions with 11. I think he's played well at times, and then at, at times he hasn't. And, and you can't turn the ball over. Um, so, you know, we've got to figure that out. That was Bills head coach Sean McDermott. In other NFL news, Jerry Jones confirmed this morning that linebacker Leighton Van Der Esch is out for the season with a neck injury that he suffered in week five. And Bill Belichick declined to name Mac Jones the Patriots starter moving forward, saying that they had a lot of things to work through as a team. Patriots have a bye for week 11 and face the Giants in week 12. Always live. Always local. Dependable news coverage. The latest news, only from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. Tuscaloosa firefighters spent a portion of the early morning hours this morning fighting a significant fire at the Pet Boys Auto Center at the intersection of Skyland and University Boulevards. There were no injuries. A multi-employer job fair conducted by Jasper Career Center is underway at the Jasper Civic Center this morning. It will run to 1 this afternoon. Some 70 employers will be on hand. Five more adult males have been arrested by the multi-agency West Alabama Human Trafficking Task Force for allegedly soliciting sex with minors. For the latest local news in Tuscaloosa. Bama Sports Updates. And severe weather information. Download the free Tuscaloosa Thread app. Never pay for your news. And sign up for our daily newsletter with news updates. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV. Crimson Tide Kickoff. Play-by-play for Alabama Sports and Sports Director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama Sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Here we go, hour number two of the Gary Harris Show here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Gary Harris, Noah Haynes, and this hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. Their areas of uh, practice include 18 wheeler accidents, wrongful death, premise liability, dog bites, foster home abuse, nursing home abuse, automobile accidents. And remember... Their commitment to serve our clients does not stop at the end of the workday. We're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Reach Paul in Tuscaloosa at 205-345-1000. Mike Comer's in Northport at 205-759-3939. Or you can call them toll-free, 866-507-9091, PattersonComerLawFirm.com. 
No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. And in the second hour, we're going to hear some uh, audio clips from Nick Saban, Alabama head football coach, from his Monday press conference. Also, the Titans report with uh, Kayla Anderson coming up at 1030. Right now, though, we're jumping out on the first and main condominiums hotline at 205-342-9904. And that's where we find Lewis this morning. Good morning, Lewis. Morning, Gary. I love the show. It, I didn't get to hear the first segment today, so if you've covered this, you, you can move. Um, you know, be up for clown of the week for their statement, and I think Jim Harbaugh would be a close second with his comment that Michigan uh, should be America's team. But the big number one is Brian Kelly with his comments about targeting. Uh, Turner's hit was reviewed by the conference and was targeting. But, of course, he had a player blown out for targeting. And I don't know if you've got that clip or not, but it's about the most asinine thing you've ever heard. And if you'd make a few comments about it, uh, and love the show, Roll Tide. Thank you, Lewis. And, uh, yeah, you're breaking up there a little bit, but I got the gist of it. Yeah, I, I didn't really understand the whole Brian Kelly diatribe after last week when Alabama played LSU uh, he didn't really I, I kind of said well he kind of took the high road I mean he didn't uh, I mean he sent it in for review the play in which Turner hit uh, uh, Jaden Daniels but not much more was said about it and then they get a guy thrown out for targeting on on Saturday in the game against Florida and and I admit I, I saw the play that um, you know happened in the Florida game and I didn't think it should have you know warranted a, a the player being ejected, but at the same time, what did that have to do with Dallas Turner? And uh, Dallas Turner's hit was reviewed uh, in the game. Uh, he got a 15-yard uh, personal foul on the play. It was reviewed. It was ruled to not be targeting. And, um, you know, then all of a sudden, a week after the game, Kelly brings it up and basically said that Dallas Turner was trying to take uh, Jaden Daniels out. So I'm with you. I, I thought that that was you know, uncalled for. And, you know, Nick Saban didn't respond, hasn't had it, hasn't said anything, but, but I think uh, Alabama will kind of file that one away a little bit for next year because, um, and, and some of what happened was, I think there was some misconfusion on the telecast in that the, the play did get reviewed. It did get reviewed. And, um, you know, I, somehow the kind of the narrative got out there that it wasn't, it wasn't reviewed, but it was, and it was ruled not to be targeting. But, uh, I, you know, Brian Kelly, he is, uh, he's a good football coach, but the reality I think is sunk in that he's in the SEC and he's going up against Alabama and the SEC West. And of course, now there won't be divisions beginning next year, but Texas and Oklahoma come in here and, and, uh, it's tough. And uh, he didn't win a national championship at Notre Dame, but at Notre Dame, he kind of had it to, to himself, you know, them one of the few schools that can, um, you know, still manage to be a, an independent. And I think that he feels like by coming to LSU that he has a better chance to win a national championship, but I don't know. I don't know, particularly with uh, Texas and Oklahoma coming into the SEC, but I'm with you on that. I, I thought that that was a little over the top now to, to bring the Dallas Turner play back up. And I thought they might, they being a reporter, might ask Nick Saban about it yesterday at his press conference, uh, you know, to respond to what, what Kelly had said. But Saban always takes the high road, uh, you know, with the media and, and on, on questions about other teams. I've never heard Nick Saban take a shot at another player. Um, 
you know, not give a team credit when they won, any of that type of stuff. He's really taken the high road. The only thing that he ever got involved in any kind of controversy was over the deal with Jimbo Fisher about the, um, you know, the NIL. So, um, but that's my thoughts on it. Kelly was, you know, a day late and a dollar short there. And, and what happened in the Alabama game had nothing to do with what happened in the Florida game. All right, 1008 here on the Gary Harris Show. More phone calls are welcome on the First Domain Condominiums Hotline, 205-342-9904. And I did get a message on social media, you know, to expand more on what I think about the Michigan situation. And, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I just can't expand much. Um, I just have not followed that story as closely as people from other parts of the country or national analysts have. I'm so focused on the SEC. And I don't really know how to, you know, approach it. I mean, it's it's one of those things where clearly in, in the eyes of most, including the Big Ten, Michigan has cheated. I mean, they have put in a sign-stealing program that goes beyond the normal, hey, we're trying to, you know, during the game, pick up what that sign means or what that deal means and, and still a player or two. Um, according to the Big Ten commissioner, this was a well-developed, you know, strategy to try to gain an advantage. And I will say this. Harbaugh getting suspended for three games only from coaching, not from at practice, not from preparing the team, just simply coaching in the game. The way some people are carrying on, you would have thought that he'd been banned from the sport for life. You know, Sharon Moore, the acting head coach, you know, crying and swearing and, and you know, telling Harbaugh that he loved him after the game felt more like an SNL skit to me than a real-life situation. I mean, come on, man. The guy, the guy just didn't coach in the game. So it's, it's, it, the, my point is, without me having dived into it the way some other people have, it's all a little bit soap opera-ish to me. It's kind of like a, you know, a soap opera. It's, it's, it's <laughs> you know, it's almost like a, a, t- a reality television show. And so it's peculiar, it's unusual. What's going to happen, I don't know. I hate that I can't offer you a little more insight to it, but that's really, to be honest with you, about um, about all I can say about it. And what's going to happen is going to happen. I do think what Drew said has some truth in it in that you've got a situation with Harbaugh where a lot of people don't like him. And he seems to have gone out of his way to tick some people off. And so there's not a lot of, I think, mercy for him from his fellow coaches in the Big Ten, from the NCAA, which is not involved a ton, and even from his own commissioner, it seems like. So it'll be interesting. All right, it's 12 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock. We're going to get to the break. And when we come back on the other side, some of the Nick Saban audio from Monday. We can also take some more phone calls as well. If you want to uh, give us a ring on the First Domain Condos hotline, 205-342-9904. Also want to talk to you quickly about my friends at the YMCA. All kinds of great things happening over at the Y. High-speed Wi-Fi internet was installed last week. And coming up next week, November 20th, brand new cardio equipment 
with individual TV screens, on-demand fitness programming, streaming, and Bluetooth capable. This is going to be some incredible equipment. And the best thing coming up, November 27th through December the 2nd, YMCA Community Open Door Wellness Week. Free seminars and classes and events, and it will be free to the community the entire week. You can try out the Y for free. Make a note of this, November 27th through December 2nd. All right, we'll be back with more of the Gary Harris Show right after this on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Football is back. And this is Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. At 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Cloudy today. The best chance of rain will stay south of here. The high 67. Cloudy tonight. A chance of rain mainly after midnight. The low at 50. Tomorrow, cloudy and cooler. Periods of rain throughout the day. The high in the upper 50s at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 63 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Ten sixteen. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. We're going to hear from Nick Saban, Alabama head football coach, in just a moment. But right now, we're jumping out on the first Domain Condos hotline, and that's where we find Philip. Hey, Philip. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, Gary. Yeah, I was going to ask you um, when when that uh, tackle happened on uh, Jaden Daniels a few weeks ago, and and all that brouhaha occurred. Did we did we as viewers did we miss the conventional review because they spent so much time with the camera on Jaden Daniels? Yeah, I think we did. I, I think we we I don't think that it was clear. And I was at the game, but um, you know the playback and and people that are watching live on TV. I don't I, I don't think it was it was. Um, orchestrated to the audience that they did review that play. I think the perception was that they did not review it. And the reality right. is that they did. And so, yeah, I think some of that got lost in translation. And there were a lot of people that said, well, they didn't even review it. And that's not true. They did review it. And then they, so even, they you know, it was sent into the office and they reviewed it there. And um, right. so, yeah, I think they went through the proper protocol at the game. And we just didn't, you know, if you were watching on television, you just didn't get that. Uh, information passed along to you because, as you said, they were focused on Daniels and, and maybe they didn't give it to CBS. I don't know what happened. As again, I was at the game. I wasn't watching it live on TV. But I know the perception was that that there was not a review on that hit. But in reality, yeah. there was. Well, I don't, I don't trust Kenny. I mean, he won't even call Dallas Turner by his name. He refers to him as that guy. Right. Which, which adds which adds that evil aura to it. Right, you're right. Um, it does. It does, and, yeah. And so, you know, my hypothetical question, since I don't trust that guy, is had they had they done the conventional review and everybody in TV land and across the nation was fixated on the referees watching the monitor and, and all that stuff, and had they come back and let's say they toss, they call a target, and they toss Dallas Turner, let's say that happens. Um, my, my honest question is, I wonder what would what, what Kelly's disposition would have been at that point towards uh, uh, playing uh, the quarterback. 
You remember when he sent him back out there? You sent him back out there for one play? I I don't know why he sent him back out there. I don't know what he was told to send him back out Mm -hmm. there. That really hasn't come up other than on some talk shows. He wasn't asked about it Mm -hmm. as far as I know, so I have no idea. I I can't tell you Mm -hmm. what was... What went into mm-hmm. that? But they, they, you know, he came back out after one play and obviously didn't play anymore. Went into concussion concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. Well, I have questions about that. I just don't. I, I don't trust him enough to think that he would have continued to play him for more than one play. But anyway, that's beside the point. The other, the other question I've got is the Christian story fumble, which was clearly a fumble the other day. What's what's to keep that from happening? I, I don't. You know, I don't forward? know. I mean, I can't. I can't tell you if it was lazy officiating. Um, at that point, the, you know, they just wanted to get the game over. I don't know why you wouldn't have looked at it. I don't, I'll be honest with you. I don't know why Nick Saban didn't call timeout and ask him to look at it. So I, I don't know. I guess it's one of those at that point in the game, uh, everybody just decided to let it go. And, I, I, you know, it was close. I do think it was a fumble. It did cost Alabama seven points. You know, Kentucky scored a touchdown. So I, I can't answer that. I don't know. Yep why they look at some plays and some plays they don't. And I don't know why Alabama sideline didn't call timeout and just say, Hey man, look at that. I, I, you know, it just seems like everybody was just kind of like, well, we'll just let it go. So I don't know. Man, I I love for Christian. He got a little, little glory the other day. That'd have been nice. Yeah. Particularly after he missed the tackle on the long run. Um, so that was, that was a chance to get a little, uh, you know, little payback, a little redemption. And, And you're right. They didn't even, didn't even take a look at it. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate it, Gary. All right, thank you, Philip. Always good to hear mm-hmm. from you. All right, it's ten twenty here on the program, and we're going to get to uh, we're going to get some Nick Saban clips that Noah has uh, ready to roll. We're not going to play them all, but we do want to play uh, something. I always just like to start with the opening comments because when Nick Saban, unlike a lot of coaches, when he comes into a press conference, I always say this because it's true. He doesn't just come in and and bebop around or say I'm ready. You know, questions. He comes in with with a message, and here's his opening comments for Monday. All right, obviously, you know, this was a, you know, great win for us, really good for our team uh, to um, come out, start fast in the game, play fast, um, obviously ready to play. Um, So I think the big point of emphasis that, um, you know, like we'd like to make moving forward is we still got to stay focused on execution. It's not just about making plays. And most of the issues that we have in games, um, offense, defense, doesn't really matter, come down to are we communicating and is everybody on the same page? And um, when we do that, we seem to have really good results. And sometimes when we don't, uh, we give up plays that we probably shouldn't you know, give up. So um, you know, that's gonna be the big point of emphasis in watching the film today with the players is to get them to really sort of focus on the importance of communicating and everybody being on the same page, whether two are blocking up front, how we're covering and adjusting the motions, you know, in secondary, whatever, uh, so that we get on the same page. Um, you know, Chattanooga obviously has had a really good season. Uh, the players, you know, play hard to compete well. Rusty Wright has done you know, a really good job there. I think they're like second in their league, seven and three, only lost two games in their league. So uh, one of the most productive um, offensive uh, teams. They've got a good quarterback. They've got good receivers. Uh, they run the ball with good balance. They're really well coached, you know, defensively. This guy, Jay Pearson, is, you know, got lots of sacks and lots of tackles for losses, and these guys play hard. And um, 
like always, you know, this is a, a great opportunity for these guys to, to play, you know, in a game that they probably dream, dream about. For our team, uh, this is either a game that you focus on correctly, you go out and practice and prepare correctly, and you build on, you know, the momentum uh, that you've improved with over the last weeks. Um, and that helps you get better for what's coming up in the future. Um, so if you don't do that, you don't have a good showing. You sort of lose your rhythm. And, you know, rhythm is a little bit like momentum. You know, sometimes you lose momentum in the game, it's hard to get it back. So you got to always play the next play and keep answering the bell. And, you know, that's really kind of how we need to approach you know, this game in terms of, you know, what our focus is and um, how we want to continue to improve as a team. Uh, if you're going to peak at the right time, you can't have peaks and valleys. you got to keep going in the right direction, and that's what we want to get our players to focus on this week in practice and preparation for this game. Up on uh, Miss Terry, a lot of stuff out there after uh, the game in Lexington. Of course, all the players love Miss Terry, particularly uh, her uh, her relationship with Terry and Arnold, the Alabama cornerback. But here's Nick Saban on, uh, you know, Miss Terry and, and kind of her being the team mom. Well, you know, her and Terry on are really kind of um, buddies. So um, I, I know she sort of texts with him and all that. And um, you know, I kind of get on them. So it's just like kind of raising your children. You know, I'm, I'm the guy that's always trying to get them to do right. And she's the mama who's always trying to make them happy. So uh, that's, that's, that's the way it's been for a long time. <laughs> so. It's good stuff right there. Really good stuff. Uh, Noah, let's get to the clip on, um, you know, he was asking about Jimbo Fisher and, and, and Zach Garnett already being uh, cut loose by Texas A&M and, and Mississippi State, respectively, with a couple weeks left to go in the season. Here's Coach, uh, here's Coach Saban on the firings of Jimbo Fisher and Zach Garnett. Um, you know, I, I don't ever like to see anybody get let go, whatever we want to call it, in this business. I know how hard everybody works. Um, I know how difficult it is to, to sort of build, you know, a program um, to get players to compete uh, at a high level on a consistent basis and just have a lot of respect for people who um, really work hard to try to change the lives of you know, the guys that they're coaching, make them better people, uh, help them do the right things in terms of getting an education as well as trying to develop them on the football field. But, you know, we are in a business that um, you get evaluated based on outcomes and your performance. And I hate to see anybody um, have to go through this. Uh, I've been fired before. It's no fun. It's no fun for your family. Uh, but I'm sure that both those guys have great reputations in terms of what they've been able to accomplish over the, the course of their career. And I'm sure they'll have many more opportunities to be successful in the future. All right. Uh, Nick Saban, uh, from some of his uh, 
press conference on Monday as he meets with the media every Monday during game week. And we like to try to, to bring you some of those clips. Uh, oftentimes I don't get to do it, but, uh, and I know we played it live yesterday. That's why we're not going to play the whole thing, but wanted to get to, uh, wanted to get to a few of those. So you would have them and, and uh, you know, get a little dose of, of Nick Saban from Monday as he pointed out in his opening comments. I mean, players have a choice. They have a choice to prepare for this game the right way and to do what they need to do to be effective on Saturday or or not. And, you know, it's probably a game, to be honest with you, that they can win either way. But, he, you know, he wants his team dialed in. Again, what's, with what's coming up next week at Jordan-Hare Stadium, then in the SEC Championship game, you don't need to let up now, man. you need, you got you got to keep pushing. All right, it's 1027 here on the Gary Harris Show. And uh, I want to talk to you real quickly about Houston Hydra Steam, which is a new uh, sponsor here on the program. And uh, Jack Houston and his, uh, his folks, man, they do a great job. I'm uh, ha- happy to be associated with these guys. Uh, they've been in business for nearly 40 years. That tells you all you need to know. When you're a local business and you made it 40 years, you know your stuff. Houston Hydra Steam Carpet and Upholstery Cleaning. Get ready for the holidays. Whether it's hardwood floors, whether it's uh, linoleum, whether it's carpet, whatever it may be, they've got the uh, crew to do it, and uh, they are at the top of their field. Satisfaction guaranteed. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Call for more information, 205-553-9460, or look them up online at HoustonHydrasteam.com. We'll be back with Kayla Anderson with the Tennessee Titans Report next, right here on the Gary Harris Show. Already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. Connecting health. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Ten thirty one. welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. And it's time for the Tennessee Titans Report with Kayla Anderson from Ramon, Kayla, and Will on 104.5 The Zone in Nashville. She's also an Emmy-winning sports anchor on TV. And, uh, boy, she keeps up with the Titans, and we love to pick her brain every uh, every Tuesday here on the show. Good morning, Kayla. Hey, morning, Gary. Hope you all are doing well. Great. Great to have you. And and uh, just another typical Tennessee Titans game on Sunday at Tampa. It wasn't like they got blown out. It wasn't like they didn't have opportunities. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, you just keep holding out hope for this team. But now they've flipped to three and six. Now they still got two against the Jags beginning on Sunday. They've got two left against the Texans and they've got one left against the Colts. So there's still hope for some reason. But I got to say this, I the more I watch and the more I just think this team's not going to get it done. I it just can't seem to, mm-hmm. to establish any kind of identity. And um, they just seem a little bit lost to me. I, you're, you know, you cover them. You know, what do you see from the Titans? I think that's a good way to put it. And also I understand why we still feel sometimes like there's hope with this team, right? Because it is a team that in the past, when they've gone through difficult times, now this is the most difficult in terms of a season and, and the start under Mike Rabel. But in past, Mike Rabel has been able to get his teams to rally and to find, you know, some bounce back, some life. Uh, that just 
doesn't seem to be the case this season. And we keep on kind of giving them opportunities to do so because, yeah, they did visit Tampa Bay. Yeah, it was on the road. But if there's an opportunity to win a road game right now, I felt like that was a pretty good opportunity to have a chance. And it's not like they got completely blown out of the water, but it wasn't a great showing. And when you just can't get in the end zone and you saw the first drive, where it looked like they were going to try to actually get in the end zone for the first time on a first drive this season, and then it ends in three again. It's just, it's frustrating. And it's not only frustrating for the fans that the offense just can't get anything going, but then you look at the defense for this team, who has just been okay this season, Mm -hmm. and I think it's frustrating at a point for them at some point, because it's like, how much longer do you have to pick apart the defense? And there's definite flaws. But because the offense is so bad, now we're just looking to the defense of, can't you do something better to, to, to try to give these guys a chance to win? And the reality of the situation is this team is just not good right now. And it just doesn't seem like they actually have the personnel, you know, these one-on-one matchups. Everywhere you look, they're losing them. They've scored in the 20s twice this season. I mean, it's um, they scored in the 20s against the Falcons, and they scored in the 20s against um, the Chargers, and they won both of those games. So you're right. If they can get a few points on the board, they've, they've, they've got a chance. Um, I like Levis. I do think he's the future, and he's looked good. And he wasn't terrible on Sunday, but it was the first time since he took over as the starter that a couple of times – you know, Tampa Bay confused him. You could see it. Uh, he wasn't as sharp as he has been. Was that more to do with the Tampa Bay defense or, or the Tennessee offense? Look, I, w- I would say this. In, in the Tampa Bay defense, really good. Obviously, you know, bring. I think they brought the blitz over 50%. Like, it's ridiculous. It's definitely something different than he's seen. And he's only had two starts prior to that. Um, but that he's seen before. And I think a big part of that, too, is there is just so much pressure for him in terms of having to think quick and to mm-hmm. get the ball out quick and to make quick decisions. Because, look, Gary, the fact of the matter is this line is, Terrible. is awful. Terrible. <laughs> it, is, it is the worst line, in my opinion, in the National Football League. And I know you can probably put the New York Jets up there, too, who, by the way, have the former offensive line coach uh, that the Titans had over there. But it is just, it's sad because you're going to now probably get your future, you know, quarterback. He is the franchise. I feel like moving forward, he's the guy. You're probably going to get him hurt this season. And you probably will see Ryan Tannehill back in there because they cannot hold up. I I mean, it is embarrassing going back and looking at some of the film this Mm. week and just the way that this line collapses. And I understand it has been riddled by injuries. They've never really been able to find cohesiveness, even with the pieces they do have. That's a major part of it, right? Um, because O-line is all about the chemistry. They've had no no opportunity to build that because it's been so banged up. And then on top of it, the quality that they have there is just not great. I mean, when you're a rookie, Peter Skronsky is probably your best offensive lineman. Probably an issue. Um, and so I think the fact of the matter is he's just in, in extreme duress 
a lot of the times. Um, and so you're going to see those decisions, right, that aren't great because he is still learning. It's only his third start. But I think the thing I like about Will Levis is he still doesn't seem shaken. He still doesn't seem phased much when he's got, like, Vita Vea just laying on top of him. Um, and he gets up and it's like, okay, on to the next play. At some point, I worry about it, him getting hurt. Mm-hmm. But I do like the composure and the willingness to get back and just move on to the next play. But I think there are things he's going to have to break down in film, which he's a film rat. He will do. Um, it just makes it hard, Gary, when the line in front of you is pretty much, let's just call it like one of those invisible fences that's off. <laughs> no, no doubt. Listen, and, and you're right. It, it, it's... It... They're, I, I agree with they're awful. They're terrible. And another thing it doesn't allow them to do, because every good Tennessee team in the last five years or so has been built around the running game, and you play off of that. And Derrick Henry, yeah. 11 carries, 24 yards. I mean, he couldn't get going. I still think they should have traded him because of where they're at with their with their team. Um, but they kept him, and if you can't establish a running game, you're right, they don't have enough playmakers. Levis is going to – I mean, it's just, as I said, they're just lost, and offensively, what are the options? I mean, with that offensive line, I mean, is there anything you can do to to get Derrick Henry going at all? Uh, I mean, I'm trying to get him in the screen game some. He, you know, he he's capable yeah. because uh, 11 carries for 24 yards. That's just not, you know, they're not going to win. Any, they're not going to beat anybody with with him having those kind of numbers. And you just kind of saw from the start that it wasn't going to work. I mean, they were focused in on stopping the run early and they pretty much did that and then they kind of just focused on being able to make this a one-dimension offense which they did that I mean he Will Levis should never have had that many attempts that's just not the way you're you're going to win a game in in terms of Titans football and in the roster that you have around it so I mean give a lot of credit to their plan too I mean Mm -hmm. they completely shut down this offense and some of their deficiency Gary uh, deficiencies that they've had this year in terms of Tampa Bay. Uh, they were awful on third down. Uh, you would never have known that because the week before they let C.J. Stroud do whatever he wanted. Uh, that was not the case at all for Will Levis. Um, and it hurts, too, when you've got, you know, Traylon Burks is out. You've only got so many options. Right. Um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins can only do so much. You're double-teaming him. Um, he went kind of missing for a while just because there was no option to go to him. Uh, you've got Kyle Phillips, who, who's showed up a little bit lately, but you've had really not great production from Chigakonkwo, the tight end that was supposed to step up this mm-hmm. year. He has had some crucial drops. That cannot happen. And then NWI, Nick Westbrook-Akine, who's a vet on this team, um, he had a, a big drop, too. you got to help out your rookie wide receiver as well. I mean, you got to help him out, especially on an offense like this that's just so anemic. And then they were 0 for 2 in the red zone again, yeah. Gary. I mean, it's the worst red zone offense I've seen in a long time. Um, I mean, there's just no life there. They're shooting themselves in the foot down there. They're allowing sacks in the red zone. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a disaster. Yeah, yeah, and they're bad. I mean, I, the Jets would challenge them, but both of these both of these offenses, they're, they're field goal offenses, and you're not going to win games kicking field goals in the right. NFL. Hey, uh, let me ask you about Vrabel because, um, I, you know, I like him. I know you like him. I, I like the toughness, and I like, when, when Tennessee was good, boy, I, I love the guy. But, uh, and as you've pointed out, they don't have a lot of material. But is he, uh, is he doing a good job coaching this team, in your opinion? So 
it's a real big debate up here right now, and it's really what we've talked about in the last couple of days, is now, and I get it, now the fan voice has gone to pretty much the point of we're done with Rabel. And I understand at this point where you're just losing games and you go back to Green Bay last year, uh, November 17th was the last road win. Um, they, with that win included, they only have, what, four total wins since dating back to that November 17th of 2022. That's right. Like, that's not, that's not a winning franchise, right? That's not a winning team under a Mike Vrabel team who's usually always competitive, who has seen, you know, at some point in a disaster situation where they've lost a couple in a row, three in a row, they've come back. Like, that's just not what we're seeing right now. But a lot of this is just the roster turnover this last year, Gary. Um, A lot of people don't realize how much turnover there was. There is a lot of youth on this field for the Titans. There's a lot of just kind of patchwork in terms of because they didn't have money to spend, um, which will change last year because they've got a lot of money to spend and you got to spend it wisely. And then part of it, um, Gary, is the draft. And John Robinson, with Mike Rabel, because – both are a part of that draft process. Uh, the drafts under John Robinson, the last three years he were there, he was there. There's almost no production left out of it. There's maybe one or two players that are left that are on this team that are being productive. It, it that can't happen. No and way. now you're seeing the effects of it. There's just no bodies that are actually, you know, com- winning one on ones. Like I said. There's not a competitive roster, and I think Mike Vrabel is now working with a lot of that, and he can only do so much. Um, I mean, put him on the Bills team, who is struggling right now. I think he'd have them competing right at the top, honestly. I think the coaching situation there has not been great either. Right. And you can blame that on Josh Allen not protecting the ball, but that put Mike Vrabel in another situation with talent. I think they're competing. Um, it, but you're working with the bottom of the barrel right now, and it's going to take a minute for Rand and him to be, you know, getting in those draft classes together. Because if you look at Rand and his draft classes out of this 2022, they're all pretty much producing right now and playing for the team. So you can only think it's going to go up from there. But I'll say this, his seat's getting hotter because at some point, who are you going to blame? Right. Um, so I think he, he will probably get one more season to try to show improvement. And if that doesn't happen, he's out the door probably. All right, Kayla, uh, I know you got to go. Final question. Uh, they go to Jacksonville. Obviously, it's a must win to have any shot at, at recouping something this season. But if they win that one, they play a terrible Carolina team at home. They play Indianapolis at home. Best case scenario, if they win these next three, they're 6-6, six and six, and they're back in the AFC South. Any shot of that, in your, your opinion? Can, can, are they capable of winning three in a row? They can't win two in a row, but could they, could they, could they go on a three-game winning streak before they head to Miami on December the 11th? Yeah, and look, that, that's, that's always – there's always a chance that under a my frugal team, like I said, if he can rally the troops, if you can go down and get your first road win of the season in Jacksonville against the Jags who lead the AFC South right now, We've only seen them play one division game so far this season in terms of the AFC South, right? Mm -hmm. And, yes, they did lose that up at Indianapolis. And, yes, Houston looks really good right now. Um, But you're still in the mix. So if you get down there, you can gain some momentum finding a way to be a 
pretty good Jags team, but coming off a defeating loss um, against the Niners, I think there's a chance to, to get some steam going because you're right. Carolina has one win on the season so far. I'm sorry, they are not good. And if you have them at home, which you've been really good at home this season, you could take them down. Um, and yeah, and then you kind of build off of that. So I think this game this weekend will really tell the rest of the season, honestly, in what direction it goes. I agree. You can follow her on Twitter at Kayla Anderson TV and uh, Ramon, Kayla, and Will on 104.5 The Zone in Nashville. Thank you, Kayla. Thanks so much, Gary. All right, Kayla Anderson with the Titans Report. It is 1046. We're going to take our final time out. Noah and I are going to come back and uh, wrap up the show. we got time for more phone calls. And if you want to jump in on the debate about Alabama getting in the college football playoff, uh, I think a lot of this, again, depends on your perspective. You know, I mean, I will say that. It depends on whether you want to call it bias or not. Um, you know, if you're a... If you're somebody from Fox Sports, you're probably pushing Alabama not to make the playoff because they've got the Big Ten and the Pac-12. If you're at ESPN, you may be pushing Alabama to get the playoff. If you're uh, somebody that covers Alabama, you probably feel like they can get in by going 12-1. and If you're somebody that covers uh, a Big Ten team, you're probably saying, no, they shouldn't get in. So we'll continue that debate on the other side. You're more than welcome to chime in. The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC will return right after this. When your finances are in perfect order, it just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Cloudy today, the best chance of rain will stay south of here, the high 67. Cloudy tonight, a chance of rain mainly after midnight, the low at 50. Tomorrow, cloudy and cooler, periods of rain throughout the day, the high in the upper 50s at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 63 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Alabama fans are all over the world, and we are too. Download the Tide 100.9 app right now in the App Store and Google Play, and take the Crimson Tide everywhere you go. All right, 1049, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. As I was saying before the break, um, listen, I think this committee tries to do a good job, but I, I maybe... I'm naive or not naive, depending on how you look at it. I, I just don't think, though, that this committee is as transparent as they want you to believe that they are. And I, I believe anytime there is a group of people meeting about stuff that's very important, there, there's somewhat of a political process that, that it, it plays into it. And I do think the committee is aware of um, pressure from the outside, from the media, from fans. I, I believe that. I believe they're impacted by it because I don't think it's truly about just getting the four best teams into the playoff. I don't. So I'm either I'm either naive or I'm not naive. <laughs> I'm either I'm either missing it or I'm right on top of it, depending on your perspective. Because I don't think it's just about getting the four best teams in college football in that playoff. I think there's a lot of other things that go into it. That's just my belief. And like I said, I could be 100% wrong. But listen, Joe Klatt from Fox, you know, he's going to say that Alabama has to have help. Um, 
I'm going to say that they don't need any help. They just need to take care of their business. So it just depends on your perspective. Let's go over to Birmingham and talk to Tony. Good morning, Tony. Hey, Gary. You doing okay, man? Doing well, man. Good to hear from you. Yes, sir. Good thing. I uh, appreciate it. Um, Gary, uh, and, and I'll get to playoffs in a minute, but Brian Kelly now for the third week in a row is railing on Dallas Turner. And, Gary, as a, as a guy that's been – I played the game all my life, coached it my adult life. I, I, I still and, – and I would like to get your opinion on this. I don't even think there should have been a penalty on that play, the hit. I, I don't know what everybody thinks Dallas Turner – Tell me what Dallas Turner did wrong on that hit. I need to know because I don't. I don't know what he did wrong. Right. That, to me, is what I coach daily how to tackle. You know, you're not wrong. I, You know what? I I didn't, with what we see now in college football, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I didn't have a problem with a penalty being called because they, they called it for, you know, unnecessary roughness. I think they, they ruled that he drove him into the ground a little bit. Right or wrong. Hey, listen, LSU – Got a penalty. You know, Bryce Young, I keep saying Bryce Young took, those, took that vicious Absolutely. shot at Tennessee and didn't even get a flag last year. So I'm with you. I, I kind of thought it was done. And now, Kelly, just to, to, to continue to bring this thing up, I don't know. I, I don't know what his motive is. And you're right. He won't even refer to Dallas Turner by his name. He just keeps saying that guy, uh, you know, and, and he tried to take Jaden Daniels out. So I think basically he has accused him of being a dirty player. When you say somebody's well, purposely trying to take another player out, and uh, I was a little surprised at the press conference yesterday. I wasn't there, but I was a little surprised at the press conference that nobody asked uh, Coach Saban to respond to what Brian Kelly had said on Saturday night after the game, and then he said some more stuff yesterday. So I, I don't know. It's uh, well, to play devil's advocate about it, Gary. Uh, I would say that if he is if he is stating that we tried to take Jaden Daniels out, well, he didn't try. He basically did. He didn't return for the Alabama game. So he's right in that point, but it wasn't done on purpose. It wasn't wasn't done out of malice. And that's the thing about this. Gary, again, if you hit somebody with your face mask in the chest and that somebody is standing straight up, okay, which he was throwing the ball, how how are you not supposed to land on him? I don't, it's not like he picked him up and power bonded him down. He landed on him. That's right. physics. I, I don't. There's nothing you can do to stop that from happening. Well, that's kind of where we're at. That's where we're at in football, that, though. I mean, exactly I, I say right, this. Gary, I, and, and, I, I say this every time I'm in a game. Every time there's a big hit now mm-hmm. by a defensive player, we're we're programmed to look around for a flag. It's just you're exactly it's, right, it's, and, it's and, what and I think the rare. game. Yeah. And the refs thought that was a pretty big hit, nice, solid hit, and they just threw a flag because that's what they're programmed to do. And, Gary, it's getting, it's getting the fan base programmed to accept the fact you're just not going to be able to hit the quarterback much longer. It's coming, Gary. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to put him in flags or anything, but you already can't hit him below the knees if they're stationary in the pocket. You can't hit him above the chest. Tony, where'd you go? There's the penalty. Okay, I lost you for a second. No, I know. I think playing defensive football is harder than it's ever been. Um, and not yeah. just in regards to the hits, but also in trying to play in pass coverage. Um, you know, what is interference, what's not interference. But, no, I, you know, I'm 59 years old, so I grew up in a time where big hits were celebrated. I, I remember oh, yeah. uh, the NFL putting out videotapes, yeah, yeah. Of, of the biggest yeah. hits. You know, Steve hits. Atwater, That's exactly right. Yeah, and those guys. So um, you're, you're trying to retrain 
football players. And I and I think too it's it's unfortunate sometimes because I will see players that pull up defensively um, because they don't want to get a, a a penalty. And sometimes, uh, you know, I've seen quarterbacks fake like they're going to slide and everybody pulls up Absolutely. and then they just keep on running. So uh, well, I, I see your uh, point, Tony. I do. Well, real quick, Gary, uh, I could see Texas possibly getting upset this weekend, and I do think Washington better look out. I think Washington gets beat this weekend, personally. Well, it would certainly help Alabama, buddy. <laughs> it absolutely would. That's what I'm hoping anyway. Yeah. Well, Gary, have a good week, buddy. Thank you, Tony. Good to, good right. to, good to you. hear from you. Uh, Noah, are we going to try to squeeze one more in? One more phone call? Or is it just, oh, this is off the air call. Okay. All right. Uh, that's going to pretty much wrap it up for the show. We're winding it down then. I didn't know if we were going to try to get one more call in. But a uh, reminder, download the app, Tide 109 app, and also visit the website, Tide109.com. All kinds of good stuff there. Catch me on TV tonight with your local sports and with Rodney Orr at 630 on Tide Insider TV on WVUA 23. Tomorrow uh, on the program, Rick Nyman, who is the sports director at WDEF Channel 12 in Chattanooga, will join me to break down the Chattanooga Mox as they try to come in here and shock the world. And uh, he's also an Alabama graduate. So we'll talk to Chattanooga, Alabama with Rick Nyman. That's coming up tomorrow at 9 a.m. All right, uh, Miller's Edge with uh, Corey Miller and Christian Miller is coming up next at 11 a.m. Big Noon Sports from noon until 2. And then Ryan Fowler will take you home with the game from 2 until 6. For Noah Haynes, I'm Gary Harris. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. This hour has been brought to you by Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law. I'll talk to you again in the morning. Thank you for listening to The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.